Episode 27 of the Photon Podcast, Radio Mala. What is that? We're going to answer that question and a lot more coming up. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast, sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. So it is episode 27. I'm still your host, K4CDN. My name is Kale, and this is Photime, the other ham radio podcast. Uh, we, we do it for the new guy here. We're, we're not trained professionals. We're just here sharing with you our thoughts and, and <laughs> our views as we progress to the grand and vast hobby of Amateur Radio. Got a great show coming up in just a couple of minutes, but first, of course, a hat tip to our friends Richard and Christy Lenore down at Paris, Texas at the Main Trading Company. You'll find them online at mtcradio.com. Richard sent me an email earlier last week letting me know about a big special he decided to do just for you, the Photime listener. So I'm hoping if you're in the market for a new HF rig or even a VHF UHF rig, you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the website. Keep it up with the downloads as the show progresses because we gave you the opportunity to save some serious funds with MTC Radio and uh, mtcradio.com. So thank you, Richard, for giving us that opportunity. We're going to have Richard on the show here. we, we got to bring him on. Can you imagine how much fun that's going to be? My South Carolina accent and Richard's Texas accent. The poor folks from the upper Midwest... And the upper north northwest, they'll never. We'll have to have some sort of uh, transcription service take the episode down. They'll never understand what we're saying. But anyway, if you're needing gear and you want to buy it from some really great folks, check them out mtcradio.com. And uh, again, Richard, thank you for that big coupon code for the Photime listeners. I hope I hope some folks took advantage of it because that was a tremendous tremendous savings. All right, so this is episode 27, and our buddy George Zeropoulos out from the Baynet Group in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. You know, those guys are awesome. I mean, really, George has uh, been on the program a few times, a, a, couple, a handful of times, and he also helped uh, give Jeremy a home base out there at Dayton a few weeks ago and uh, hanging out with Nick. It, it, the, the generosity of those people uh, from the Baynet Group is, is just tremendous, and I'm going to share some more generosity from the Baynet folks with you here in just a moment. We're going to have David and Suresh come on and talk to us about Radio Mala, and I'm gonna. I'm not gonna take any of their thunder, but uh, this is gonna just continue to show uh, how there's more than just innovation coming from our compatriots in amateur radio. Uh, the the level of compassion we're gonna share with you here in just a few moments is is outstanding, and I think you're gonna really dig it. So uh, we've got David and Suresh coming up here. David's call is Whiskey Six Delta Tango Whiskey, and Suresh's call is Whiskey Six Kilo Tango Mike. And let's bring them on right now. We're going to drop us right right into the conversation here on episode number 27 of the Photon Podcast. Well, George has has told me about Suresh maybe about 18 months. Well, it hasn't been 18 months we've been on the, on the air. But a while back, George said, I'd like for you to talk to this guy named Suresh. He's a friend of mine. We work together. And he works with the folks in Nepal to help bring amateur radio to its citizens um, and then just a few weeks ago, George and I had a conversation, not long after the earthquake in Nepal, and he said, you really need to talk to Suresh, and David as well, and I want to welcome you both to the show. We have David 
And uh, David's call is Whiskey 6 Delta Tango Whiskey. And Suresh, whose call is Whiskey 6 KTM Kilo Tango Mike. Welcome both of you guys to the other ham radio podcast here at uh, Photime. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it was it was just a few weeks ago that George called me back and said, you really need to have this conversation now. Let's try to make it happen. So thanks to George for this. Um, you both have been involved in the... the uh, earthquake recovery in Nepal and just curious where we would like to start this discussion before the earthquake after during uh, because your club and and both of you as individuals have been involved with the uh, effort to bring ham radio infrastructure into the country of Nepal can can we start there um, sure if if I can go ahead and uh, begin with some of the backdrop history Sure. Uh, this earthquake is uh, something that people knew was on its way. Kathmandu has a history of having an 8.0 earthquake uh, with a, the epicenter being very close by every 75 years, really for hundreds of years it's been documented. And uh, in 2011, we saw that there was a, a vast need for disaster communication that simply was not there. Uh, the Nepali American community got together and we reached out to the broader American community in the Silicon Valley. David and I uh, reconnected. It was uh, uh, kind of ironic. Actually, we went to college together at the same time, had the same uh, radio frequency and microwave classes at the same time, and uh, we reconnected through amateur radio. And so in 2011, we began the process of discussing uh, how we would go ahead and provide uh, uh, amateur radio coverage in Nepal. In 2012, we set up the first repeater in the entire nation. And uh, in 2013, we had an HF station that was shipped over there. And uh, uh, I think uh, things just kind of moved on from there. Fantastic. Now, uh, how large, For I didn't really even know where Nepal was when I first heard about the earthquake. How large of a country is it? So Nepal is a country that's about uh, almost 30 million people, and it's a very rugged terrain uh, for most of the country. Uh, it has some plains in the south, uh, but really from the standpoint of uh, accessibility, uh, it's very challenged, even though it's a small country. Maybe if you can imagine California uh, being spread out horizontally instead of vertically, about that, that size roughly. Uh, but from the standpoint of accessibility because of the difficult terrain, uh, it's very challenging to uh, move from one location to another, especially during the monsoon season that we're heading into. So that is why communication and amateur radio in particular are so critical. Now, you said that you you banded together to bring amateur radio to the country. It, was there a reason that there weren't a lot of operators there, or was it just hard to get the gear to the folks who live there? Or was it a combination of things? Uh, you know, here in America, we just take... For granted, we can get online and order something from HRO and have it, or you know, in, in just a matter of days. But uh, is it is it different there? Is there government interventions that keep the amateurs from practicing freely, or is it just uh, a, a wealth problem? That really is an excellent question, and uh, it's a very complex question to answer, and uh, it really uh, is rooted in the recent history of Nepal. So, until about six years ago. Uh, Nepal was effectively uh, uh, an absolute monarchy. So during the days of the monarchy, uh, the monarchy was uh, quite reluctant to allow people to have access to amateur radio. They were suspicious of 
uh, communication technologies that might allow amateurs to uh, coordinate uh, against the monarchy, and it was quite suppressed, with the exception of the remarkable Father Moran, a Jesuit priest who is absolutely legendary and who first brought amateur radio to Nepal. He was just a wonderful, wonderful man. Now, um, most recently, there was a very brutal civil war uh, between Maoist rebels and the government. And during that time, the few handful of amateur radio uh, practitioners uh, had to stay undercover because the Maoist rebels wanted to use amateur radio uh, equipment uh, for their own communications, and the military was worried about that. Uh, when both the Civil War and the monarchy ended, there was a wonderful opportunity for a resurgence, a renaissance of amateur radio in the country. Unfortunately, some of the local dynamics among some of the groups uh, uh, became challenging uh, for us to go ahead and execute our project, Radio Mala, which means Radio Garland in the Nepali language. And basically, uh, that's uh, been, I guess, our primary principal uh, challenge uh, of late. But the history of amateur radio and, and the penetration of amateur radio has been highly complex because of those reasons. Wow. <laughs> that was a complex answer. I, I had no idea, but I had that question. And, I, and to, to go any further, I needed some sort of clarification. I mean, because even in you know, some of the you know, South Sudan, they have amateur radio. And it sounds to me, just you, as you describe the, the territory there, the, the country itself, the harsh climate, the, uh, the very rugged terrain, amateur radio sounds like a godsend to those folks. And I could see how someone could effectively feel as though they were being challenged if someone had the communications ability that the monarchy didn't have. Absolutely. That certainly was a case. And uh, for decades, Father Moran was quite literally the only amateur radio license holder. Uh, now, those things uh, effectively are in the past now. The monarchy is gone. The Civil War is gone, thankfully. Uh, really, the opportunity is very ripe for amateur radio to flourish. And uh, David and I and the rest of the Radio Mala team were really ecstatic uh, and enthusiastic about the new opportunity. What we didn't anticipate was uh, some of the local challenges uh, between um, uh, organizations uh, that had uh, interest in amateur radio uh, and, and those are the challenges that I think are most acute right now. Uh, but due to the success of Radio Mala, I'm sure that that's something that we'll be able to overcome and uh, allow the penetration of amateur radio throughout the entire nation. Now, does, does the country of Nepal, do they have an organization? When, when you say these organizations, is there something like the ARRL there? Or is it just different uh, subgroups of the communities that are, are trying to to display their power here regarding the influx of amateur radio? Presently, uh, there is no uh, international or amateur radio union uh, or IARU uh, member society from Nepal. Now, you have to keep this in context. In about, uh, about three years ago, the grand total of all licensed amateur radio operators uh, was on the order of five. And you would think with that, that small number and a growing population that people would be able to go ahead and uh, work together, resolve any differences, and, and move forward uh, for the benefit of the nation as a whole. And to a certain extent, they, they did. At the time, we installed our first repeater. That was uh, the number of uh, legally uh, licensed operators. Um, and then subsequently, as, as the number of operators grew uh, roughly to about 100 in the entire nation, uh, nearly all of them in Kathmandu, uh, I believe all of them in Kathmandu, uh, 
the capital city, um, uh, some of these other dynamics uh, started coming into place. But as I said, you know, I'm sure that these are things that over time will be overcome, uh, especially with the success that we've had uh, recently following the earthquake. Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit, David. Um, you, you and Suresh went to school together and That's spent some time together and reformed the connection between yourselves through amateur radio there in, in California. Where did this idea of helping the, the folks in Kathmandu with their amateur radio problems, how did that get birthed? Where did that come from? Well, it's really Suresh's vision on this. Uh, I mean, being of Nepali descent, uh, he has the the connection and the and the passion to make this happen for his uh, for the country of his birth. Uh, he, he's lo- relocated to the Silicon Valley, but he remains Nepali at heart. For me personally, uh, I had done some work with the country of Egypt uh, in their struggles to bring amateur radio. The challenges that. Egypt had were a little similar to what Nepal is going uh, Nepal is going through right now, which is um, oftentimes the smaller countries as they evolve into uh, amateur radio. They there are struggles for control. I mean, we we look back at the history of say the AWRL and it we don't see the struggles that I think they went through in the beginning. I mean, we we think of. Uh, you know, the old man, Hiram Percy Maxim, uh, bringing the AWRL to the fore. And, you know, there was a lot of, if you look into that story, there's a lot of infighting that occurred as to who was going to be in charge. Uh, unfortunately, I think, I guess every country must go through this when it happens. Uh, having gone through that with Egypt, uh, we're now seeing that occurring in Nepal as well, that there are people in the country who want to keep this for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that we as Westerners don't realize is that in, say, cultures you know, like India and Nepal, that there for many years there was a caste system. I mean, the society was based upon the notion that uh, some people are more equal than others and some people have more power just by birthright. Uh, and when you try to bring a very democratized system like amateur radio, into a country where, from a cultural perspective, it may not even be socially acceptable for one person to talk to another person because uh, of their place in the caste system. And the caste system is not legally part of Nepal, but it is still socially part of Nepal. So one of the things that we have been seeing is that um, the people who uh, have wanted to control this have been sort of acting uh, in, a, in a very elitist fashion and not allowing everybody in Nepal to have access to this to this thing that you and I take for granted as American citizens. So, you know, in America, there's uh, we're highly uh, democratic, we're highly egalitarian. Uh, everybody is allowed to get on amateur radio regardless of who you are, where you're born, how much money you have. Um, and so one of the challenges that we... Uh, we're facing in the beginning was, you know, how do we, how do we work through this? So, from my perspective, it was kind of applying some of the things that I learned working with the people of Egypt, uh, and and applying that to to the Nepal challenge. It's got a lot to do with personal liberty that a lot of us here take very much for granted. I would imagine it. It does absolutely. I mean, we we don't, uh, you know, we don't 
get on the air and ask someone what their social status is or their you know what their family name is before we before we start talking to them uh, and and in a sense i mean that's you know it would be almost like saying well you know you're not you're not good enough to talk to me on the radio gotcha. uh, and that's kind of what some of the people there have taken this uh, this approach now suresh and the radio mala team are are pushing a much more uh, democratic vision for the country and that everyone has an opportunity to participate. And uh, Dr. Sanjeev Pandey from Tribhavan University has been one of the key players in making that happen. Uh, 9N1SP has been moving this vision forward in Nepal uh, under the guidance uh, and the vision of, uh, of uh, Suresh. Uh, may I add something to sure. that? This yes. is a very important yeah. point that David has raised. And, you know, this is uh, really true with regards to uh, the access of amateur radio. And let me give an example, actually, of how this has played out in our experience. So in 2012, we installed the first uh, uh, dual-band uh, UHF-VHF uh, repeater in the nation's history. And our goal was to go ahead and provide relatively affordable handsets to everyone so that they could have an entry point. The average Nepali could have an entry point into amateur radio that they may not otherwise have with regards to expensive HF stations and towers and, and uh, beam antennas that some of the more established players in Nepal uh, did have personal access to because it was their private property. Now, we went ahead and uh, established the repeater in 2012 Shortly, we held an MCOM uh, drill in which uh, we had volunteers stationed at multiple hospitals within the Kathmandu Valley. And uh, it was a very successful drill. The repeater was functional. Uh, very mysteriously, only uh, a few months later, we found that this repeater was made illegal to use uh, by novice hams. Uh, we c so, so if you can imagine, UHF and VHF frequencies are universally accessible to novice hams uh, internationally almost everywhere. Uh, but in Nepal, for whatever reason, uh, the uh, establishment uh, players had altered uh, the licensing uh, regulations without public discussion so that UHF and VHF would actually be accessible only to uh, the most, uh, the highest level, our, uh, the equivalent would be our extra class uh, amateur radio operators here. So this made no sense at all. Uh, Dr. Pandey led a community coalition consisting of multiple groups, and this was overturned uh, after petitioning the government, the Ministry of Information and Communication specifically. So this is an established history that's gone on for many years. This took place in 2013. So that gives you a real-world example of how some of this mentality of uh, really elitism has played out uh, in uh, amateur radio policy within the country. Now, if I could add one more uh, part to that. Sure. R radio Mala is, uh, David is correct, you know, I, I definitely have uh, strong feelings and passions towards uh, the country of my birth, but really the country of my choice is America, is the United States. And uh, Radio Mala is as much an American effort as it is a Nepali effort. Uh, it could not have gotten off the ground without the broad support of the broad American community. Uh, people like David Witkowski, Rick Santina, W6IFA, so many other people throughout this nation who gave advice and who gave uh, 
their own money to make this project successful and move forward. And that's one of the reasons that many institutions globally, including the State Department, are studying the success of Radio Mala so that maybe it can be replicated in other nations throughout the world. This is far more than a no-code, coded ham discussion between who is the, the greater operator, whether they have a coded license or a no-code license. I mean, this is, going back to the CAS system, a few weeks ago we had uh, Fritz Nitsch, who was the eldest uh, amateur radio operator in my county. He's almost 96 years old, and he was a World War II vet and trained radio operators in CW for World War II. And he talked about the CAS system because he was from Germany. His family was from Germany. He said, I came up and my father had high school education, and that was all that was ever expected of me. And, you know, I heard that. But hearing it again, it's, um, you know, I've lived my entire 41 years in these United States of America and enjoy the freedoms and liberties that were given. And I didn't have that, that, that weight put upon me as, this is as far as you're expected to go, or you're not, you don't have the right last name to go there or something. We all pretty much have the same opportunities. But to hear you guys descri- describe that and discuss that, uh, it brings an even greater sense of responsibility to me as a citizen of this nation and an amateur to uh, continue to reach out and help folks who, who don't have those freedoms that we just so take, take so lightly and for granted uh, in something as insignificant as an amateur radio hobby. But I can see how this hobby and, and Radio Mala working together can really uh, affect some great change for those folks in Nepal. And I think that's, uh, I think that's where your passion lies. I, I, to me, it seems, is that uh, you've tasted this freedom, this rich liberty that we enjoy here, and you see how one simple thing, or at least it appears this way, something as simple as amateur radio and open it up to everyone that's interested, how that could change and affect the future of that nation. And to me, that's very exciting. You guys are, are doing a lot more than it appears from the outside. Thank you. Thank, thank you. You know, um, absolutely, uh, that is true. You know, this is about amateur radio. This is about technology. But really, the themes that we've talked about uh, are far more profound and uh, uh, important uh, for society. And amateur radio is, is a part of society in that way. Uh, so that may be one of the reasons that we're facing so much, uh, um, so many obstacles uh, presently. But, but sh- um, you know, surely uh, we will overcome them. Uh, as uh, time marches on. Visit mtcradio.com today. A great one-stop mom-and-pop shop for everything ham radio. Radios, antennas, power supplies, wire and cable, books and training materials, microphones, headsets, and accessories. Find popular brands like MFJ, Heil Sound, Jetstream, LDG, Alinko, Comet, Texas Bugcatcher, Radio Waves, and more. mtcradio.com, an authorized Kenwood and ICOM dealer. mtcradio.com. I, uh, I'm curious about Radio Mala and, and the repeater system that you guys sent over there. Suresh, did you take, I know that you traveled there in 2012, did you take that repeater system with you or was it there waiting for you or did that come after you had been there? Um, you, had, you, you had told me before we went on the air that in 2012 or 2011, 2012, you were there for uh, the drill I think that you just mentioned a moment ago with the U.S. Navy and the uh, Pacific Command for just the event that just happened here in this past April. 
was that about the same time? Did you have the repeater when you were there? So there are two repeaters in Nepal that are operational right now. Okay. One was installed in 2012. And uh, we in the Radio Mala team raised money and donated it. And uh, one of our volunteers, Rob Rowland, NZ6J, uh, installed it at one of the uh, 8.0 earthquake-proof buildings. And subsequently, we actually shipped an HF station, an Elecraft uh, K3, to Dr. Sanjeev Pandey, 9 November 1 Sierra Papa, uh, at Tribhuvan University. This was in uh, early 2014. Now, in August of last year, 2014, uh, I traveled there to participate in an exercise that was sponsored by the U.S. Pacific Command called Pacific Endeavor, which essentially was a dress rehearsal for this actual event. And in that, Dr. Pandey uh, participated as well. We tried at that time to go ahead and have uh, our uh, VHF repeater installed so that it could partake in that exercise. But the customs process and uh, the licensing processes were so unwieldy. Uh, and there was, uh, as we discussed before, uh, much um, tension, quite frankly, within the amateur radio community that it became difficult. Uh, we did uh, ship uh, half of uh, the repeater equipment in 2014. The other half we shipped in March of this year. And uh, it was actually sitting in customs uh, during the day that the first earthquake struck. Uh, Dr. Pandey went and was able to successfully retrieve uh, the equipment from customs. And only last week, I believe May 21st, uh, he actually was able to successfully uh, make the repeater operational. Uh, so uh, one of the things, uh, during the installation process itself, he and his team were actually uh, interrupted uh, by the 7.3 Richter scale aftershocks. So if you can imagine, they were on a building about, I believe, four to five stories high in uh, the city of Kathmandu, heavily earthquake prone, and there was a 7.3 aftershock. And they literally had uh, their hands on amateur radio gear, uh, we have photos that they were actually uh, shooting as they were um, installing the gear. They had to literally drop everything and run for their lives. Wow. And that was approximately a month and or four days less than a month uh, from the initial, um, what was it? Is uh, this, Was it 7.8 there on the 25th of April? Yes, it was 7.8. I think it might have been uh, a little bit uh, closer in time than that. Okay. Uh, but in any case, uh, it was the most significant aftershock since then. So not having a VHF repeater, which has many benefits, uh, Dr. Pane and his team desperately wanted to put it uh, on, uh, get the repeater operational. Uh, and during um, their initial attempts, they had to flee for their lives. They came back and finished a job, and now the repeater is fully operational. So it's set uh, in pieces in customs. Now, was there just a, a problem, just the, the infighting was keeping it in customs, or was there something else that, that was preventing it from getting out and getting it on the air? Now, uh, the customs process itself is uh, quite complex for nearly anything in Nepal. That, that's quite normal. Uh, however... The infighting that had taken place uh, for so many years, really since the installation of the first repeater, certainly didn't help because uh, the government was placed in a situation by uh, some people who uh, thought that it was really their natural right to be the leaders of amateur radio, to, to be excessively uh, concerned about procedure 
uh, and, and details rather than democratizing the system overall. Uh, amateur radio equipment is uh, available in retail stores in this country. You don't need to have an amateur radio license to buy amateur radio or to even listen to amateur radio. But in uh, Nepal, uh, that's not the case. And people who uh, have uh, strong uh, uh, connections, who are very well connected, who are, are uh, widely known in society, who are uh, senior uh, members of the society, uh, certainly do hold a lot of persuasion. And this uh, type of um, infighting that had taken place, in particular uh, from the side of the established uh, incumbent group, if you will, uh, that made the government nervous, and uh, the government essentially uh, was compelled to take more time than it may have been comfortable uh, in processing some of uh, these uh, issues uh, with regards to customs. Uh, we're seeing uh, somewhat of a change in that, I should ask. I should add, Dr. Pandey uh, personally contacted uh, the Minister of Communication, uh, Information and Communication himself, uh, the Honorable Minendra Rizal, uh, the minister, uh, his office contacted Dr. Pandey personally one day after that communication took place, the repeater was released. So hopefully this is uh, uh, something that portends uh, a much more healthy uh, uh, customs process, uh, especially in light of uh, this tragedy and the impending monsoons that will require uh, more uh, communication systems in Nepal. Now, we're, we're gearheads sometimes, I guess we could be considered here on the program. And I know if I don't ask the question, I'll be asked later. So uh, what type of repeater did you guys uh, install there? Or what, what did you send over for the gearhead questions? So the technology that we used was um, to essentially replicate the Baynet re repeater system that we have here in the San Francisco area. Um, Baynet was designed to be a a wide area linked system. And if you look at the geography of the Kathmandu Valley, which is a lowland area that's surrounded by high peaks, um, it's interesting that it actually is very much like uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. So, so there's a similarity in geographies. And the technology that we used was um, to use the Sierra Radio Systems Controller uh, and Motorola CDM uh, mobiles, which were purchased um, off of eBay. And, and that's what we use for Baynet. Uh, and the beauty of those, uh, you know, either Max Tracks or CDMs is that they're cheap, um, they're easily modifiable. And if you have a failure of a transmitter or a receiver, one of the mobiles goes bad, then you just swap it out. Uh, and it's a small cost to have spares uh, readily available. And, you know, a lot of times you don't want to be up on a mountaintop trying to troubleshoot a circuit board. So you can black box it, swap the modules out, and then bring the radio back down and repair it on a bench. Uh, and then put that back into your spare pile. The uh, the linking technology that we use is is similar. And again, it all, it all cores on the Sierra Radio Systems uh, repeater controller. That is, uh, that, that, for lack of a better term, that is really cool to make it so simple. And I know George and the Sierra radio system, he, he's explained that to me to the best that my limited understanding can handle. And, uh, I love the technology there, but to use the surplus Motorola rigs, I mean, you know, guys do that with GMRS repeaters and, you know, go, go deer hunting in Texas with them. 
but I never thought that you would be running infrastructure. It's it's so simple. It's uh, it really fits with our theme here to keep it simple, Kale. So, <laughs> well, if you think about you know how we would typically build a repeater system, I mean, you know, you're going to say, okay, I've got an I've got a surplus Motorola MSF uh, five thousand or something that I'm going to repurpose. Well, well, that's all well and good. Um, but remember that a lot of the you know the higher areas um, around Nepal don't have roads going to them. So I mean I, I have the luxury here in the San Francisco Bay Area of being able to drive right up to the Baynet repeater sites, uh, open up the back of a truck, you know, pull whatever I want out of it, uh, haul it into the building. Well, in Nepal, if you're going to put a repeater system up, you're probably stuffing everything into a backpack and getting your walking sticks out because uh, you got to be able to, to trek up to it. So uh, building something that required, you know, a sort of commercial, you know, Part 90 class infrastructure just wasn't going to work. And, and it's important to remember that from a cost perspective, um, our expectations of what's inexpensive here in the United States are, are very different. Uh, going back to the story that Suresh was telling about getting the equipment out of customs, uh, there was a customs fee that had to be paid when that equipment was released. It was, I believe it was $80 US. And you say, well, $80 is a little painful, but I can probably, you know, I can probably swing that. But then you have to remember that the average monthly the uh, sir, the average monthly salary for a Nepali is about a hundred dollars. Wow. Uh, so you know that would be that would be equivalent to me in the San Francisco Bay Area saying that I had to pay a customs fee of ten thousand uh, dollars, and you know a month's salary for a typical resident of the Silicon Valley, um, and that you know that's pretty painful. Um, so if you're going to say well. I'm going to buy a Max Track off of off of eBay for fifty bucks. Well, that's a half month salary. So we wanted to make the system as inexpensive as possible. Uh, it's just uh, you know the, going with the surplus repurposed equipment was the best option from a weight, size, accessibility perspective, and monetary as well. Now I know that the Baynet the Baynet system primarily is UHF. And one of the primary reasons you guys went that direction was because the VHF frequencies were taken. Plus, it works good in mountains. Is the uh, is the Nepali system? Is it UHF and or VHF, or how did you guys work that out? There's a crossband repeater. The first repeater that was installed was crossband, um, and then that was also uh, a monetary consideration because, of course, a crossband repeater doesn't require doesn't require uh, cavity duplexers and and a, a lot of copper. Of course, you know when you look at a repeater system, what's the most expensive thing? Right. Well, it's those big copper cans, right? <laughs> uh, you know because metal's expensive and radios are cheap. So uh, you know, the system that they have, uh, the one that we funded, the second repeater, is a VHF system, and, and so it is a more traditional uh, single band repeater. But that was because we were able to, through the generosity of uh, of people in San Francisco and, and uh, frankly, around the United States who contributed to Radio Mala, we were able to afford uh, those cavity duplexers that we needed to make that happen. Let's uh, let's talk about Radio Mala for just a moment. When, when I type Radio Mala into into the uh, DuckDuckGo search here, 
I'm getting hits on all different things. It looks like there's there's uh, there's social media connections there. You you guys want to go ahead and just toss that in here real quick? We'll, I'm sure we'll do it again at the end, but to make sure we don't miss it, where can we find information about Radio Mala on the internet? Sure. Uh, the best place to go is uh, the GNPN website. So the organization uh, uh, that we helped found, uh, a 501c3 uh, U.S.-based uh, organization, is called Global Nepali Professional Networks, GNPN. And if you go ahead uh, to this following website, uh, gnpn.org forward slash radio hyphen mala, uh, M-A-L-A, so that's Golf November, Papa November, forward slash radio hyphen Mike Alpha Lima Alpha. Uh, all of the information with regards to the history of Radio Mala, what we've been able to do during the earthquake, as well as all of our social media sites uh, will all be listed there. Fabulous. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. I just wanted to, I didn't want to miss that. And, and it's staring at me on the screen. So that was a good reminder. You know, I, I'm taken by the generosity of, of the citizenry of the U.S. again. And, and growing up in the Deep South, as I have my entire life, uh, generosity seems to be part and parcel for the folks around here. Um, and, you know, I've been to California once. It was a wonderful trip, by the way. I, I was in Beverly Hills. I didn't make it to San Francisco, but I, I love the weather. I, the the fact that there was no humidity, which which seems like that's all we have right now around here. <laughs> uh, it was marvelous. But, you, you know, uh, speaking with George and, and the Baynet guys and, and watching the, the innovation come from there, that, that's been really neat. But to see the humanitarian effort regarding the folks in another country uh, is, really, is really enlightening and very encouraging to me personally. Now, I know that just a few weeks ago, there was a, uh, I think it was a, a maker fair that you guys were involved in, and George kind of hinted something about that. And, and George, guys, the George I'm talking about is George Zeropoulos, who I probably just murdered his last name again. But he's been on the show many times, and folks know who George is. But he said, you've got to ask him about the maker fair. David, you mentioned it right before we went on. So, guys, fill me in. What did I miss at the maker fair? Well, the maker fair is a gathering of uh, kind of creative technologists that has occurred. Uh, this is our 10th year here. Uh, was uh, started here in the San Francisco Bay Area and has has now uh, gone out into the world. So they held uh, maker fairs in various locations uh, around the around the planet. We uh, have been. I've been at the maker fair now, uh, leading a, a project for three years. And have been attending the Maker Fair for nine, so I missed the first year, unfortunately. But uh, the project that we decided to do this year uh, sort of arose out of a, a sense of of need and also of urgency. It was it was interesting how it all played out. Uh, I was actually just coming back from uh, University of California on the day that the that the earthquake hit in Nepal, and I had planned on working that weekend on the plan for the Maker Faire. Uh, and then it was late at night. I was kind of getting getting ready to head off to bed. And all of a sudden, my earthquake alert system, which I subscribed to uh, from the USGS, kicked in and said that there had been a 7.8 earthquake in Kathmandu. I went, oh boy, here we go. 
So I uh, was up most of that night, as, as I'm sure Suresh was and everybody else, uh, trying to figure out what our communications into the country were and, and getting some information passed. And then as that week went on, we were involved with trying to get the repeater out of customs and trying to figure out you know how we were going to reach out to the world community to uh, to do fundraising and and get some uh, some funding to help with uh, what was happening. And then suddenly a week later, I realized that well, the Maker Fair is just around the corner. Well, what am you know I've I've been so busy with this, I haven't even had a chance to think about it. So we decided to do uh, what I I I, re- I rechristened our project, completely changed it. And I, uh, we created a project that we called Antennas for Nepal. So the idea was is that we have a number of areas of Nepal that are totally inaccessible, uh, except for trekking in. So you have to you have to hike in, and we're talking about the Himalayas. So we're we're talking about you know mountain passes that are ten thousand, eleven thousand feet. Uh, and then the valleys in between these mountains are where everybody lives. Well, there's really no way to build a communication system that works into those areas except for uh, 40-meter or 80-meter near-vertical incident skywave or NVIS antennas. Um, and, of course, this is what the U.S. military is using in the mountains of Afghanistan, uh, you know, at Kandahar and such like that, where... They're, they're working each other on HF frequencies uh, from valley to valley with extremely rough terrain. It's, it's very similar to the topology that we have in Nepal. So the thought was, is okay, if we could get some 40-meter, 80-meter radios donated and then we could build antennas for them, that would be NVIS, uh, vertical uh, propagation, then these villages... If we can get some of the people in them licensed, uh, and of course the the cultural centers of these villages tend to be these monasteries, these Buddhist monasteries that are uh, that are up in the Himalayas. If we can get, say, the lamas or the monks uh, licensed, then we could have a communication system that worked up in the mountains. And so, what we did at the Maker Fair was we brought in all of our gear, and. We got wire donated from Halted Specialties, or HSC, which is here in the Silicon Valley. And we got uh, things were donated from Pactena, so George was very generous to donate some material. And we had um, Elecraft uh, donated a KX3 uh, to, nice. the, to the project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been, you know, Eric has been great. He's been very, very helpful with us. And so I called him up and said, you know, hey, uh, what do you, you know? What can you do for Nepal? And he says, "Well, I'll, I'll give you a KX3." So we wanted it to be QRP, of course, because we in these villages don't often have electricity. So we needed something that would be able to run from a solar panel. Uh, and then at the Maker Fair, what we did was is we invited the attendees to the Maker Fair, and, and it's important to remember that the Maker Fair is 130,000 people who all come together for three days in this uh, expo center, this fairground in San Mateo. So it's an extremely active, uh, exciting environment. And we invited attendees at the Maker Fair to come into our booth and spend an hour making an antenna for Nepal. And we showed them how to make a dipole. Um, And what was amazing was not only that we had so many people coming in wanting to do this, uh, but that 
a lot of people just said, you know, I'd love to do this. I think what you're doing is great. I, I don't really have time to spend an hour here. So would you just please take this $20 bill from me and, and send it to the people of Nepal? So uh, we collected uh, quite a bit of money, which was donated to Radio Mala. And we made some antennas and we showed a lot of people, hey, this is what amateur radio is. Not in a sense of amateur radio as a hobby, but as amateur radio as a humanitarian effort. And so I think that was a really interesting way to look at it. And a, the outreach to people was, was great because they saw that there was value in this old school technology that goes back 100 years. Uh, you know, a dipole antenna is the most simple antenna that you can make. Um, and then we were able to, um, you know, get some, a lot of visibility for Radio Mala. Uh, I think a lot of people took uh, flyers and, uh, you know, went off and found us on social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all of our all of our social presence. And then the makers, uh, rather the maker fair organizers themselves, um, were, were kind enough to award us not one but two Editor's Choice Awards for our project. So we got two blue ribbons that are hanging on the wall above my, above my station here in my shack. And um, I was invited to write an article for a Make magazine, which will be published uh, later this year. And in fact, uh, I just uh, started working on that this week. And so uh, they're asking us to tell our story to the maker community, which has been really fantastic. And I think it's a really great opportunity for us to show the world what amateur radio is. Uh, not just as a, hey, this is a hobby that you should be involved with because it's fun to talk to people on the radio, but that there's a real human impact uh, to amateur radio and what it can do in these sorts of human, in these sorts of relief efforts. Absolutely. Wow. No, no wonder George didn't want, me to, want to tell me. He wanted you to tell me. That's amazing, guys. That had to be exciting. I mean, especially just coming, like, shooting from the hip, for lack of a better term. That was, that was just an inspired idea. That was marvelous. Well, and I certainly couldn't have put it together without my team. Uh, I uh, I have to thank uh, Barrick Dunn, uh, K6BEZ. Uh, he was instrumental in keeping me sane as I was trying to juggle uh, flaming torches and chainsaws as I was moving <laughs> as I was heading into the Maker Fair. I, I just had I had no time to do any of this. So, um, Mike Yamamoto, uh, case uh, KI6OID was uh, also instrumental. He was the one who went to halted uh, to HSC and asked them for the donations of the wire and the coax. Uh, he was actually the one who led all the builds. So uh, Mike was the one who was in the booth doing the yeoman's work of putting everyone through a build process for three days. Uh, getting every, you know, these these newbies, these people that had never touched a soldering iron in their life, and they go, okay, we're going to make a 40-meter dipole. And they're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm excited. <laughs> Great, you know. <laughs> now, which end of the soldering iron is the one I shouldn't touch? Yeah, so, don't touch the smoking end. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, they they both were uh, were phenomenal, and I, I couldn't have done it without them. That that is that is a marvelous tale. If nothing else, the the humanitarian work right there is is a marvelous expression of uh, of the generosity of this nation and. Maybe not on a grand scale as a nation, but person to person, it's inspiring. Thank you. That's you know, if, a, if, go ahead. If, if I may add one thing to that, um, 
with regards to the generosity of this nation. Uh, in the country of Nepal today, there are a grand total of two, uh, only two amateur repeaters, radio repeaters in the entire nation of 32 million people. Both of those repeaters were donated by the generosity of the American people through Radio Mala. Now, uh, it's, a, it's a very complex question as to why that is the case when this nation uh, funds literally hundreds of millions of dollars into nations like Nepal uh, dedicated towards disaster risk mitigation. Uh, but that is a situation that we have. And, and that's something that's uh, both noteworthy and maybe something that needs to be looked into uh, at a later time once we're past the immediate crisis. But the only two repeaters in the entire nation uh, were donated by the American people to the people of Nepal. Well, let me ask you real quick. Um, I, I know that we can go to your website, but I've also heard that, that some some of your friends there on the Baynet group, they they buy a Baofeng HT every week or month or so and, and ship it to to Nepal. I mean, is is what's the best way that if one of our listeners wants to help the effort, um, that they can help you, they can be a part of that? Yes, thank you. That's a very important question. Uh, the f- best way probably is to go to our website. And uh, we have uh, a donation tab that you can go ahead and donate uh, whatever uh, uh, amount, whether it's modest or, or large. Uh, uh, even a small amount of money will go a large way in Nepal. Uh, you can also donate equipment that you may have. Uh, Wayne Ondowski, I believe, WN, uh, I forget Wayne's call, David, maybe you might recall it. Um, but but a wonderful gentleman from Colorado actually donated uh, an HF rig to Radio Mala, and it's on its way there now. So the other way is to actually join our social media. If you're not in a position to go ahead and uh, support us with an equipment donation or a funding donation, you can certainly go ahead and uh, um, support us via social media. That is something that we desperately need. The more the word that gets out, uh, the better it is for uh, everyone in Nepal. Go ahead, David. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, yeah uh, Wayne's call sign. And Wayne was really fantastic during the uh, response. Uh, he was one of the net controls for the 20-meter uh, net that was established in the in the days after the quake. Uh, there was a lot of activity on uh, 14.205 and 14.215. Uh, Amir Bazak from Israel was uh, handling 14.205, but Wayne was on the resource net uh, on 14.215, and his uh, last name is Ordakowski, his call sign, uh, November Zero United November. And he's just been great operating out of uh, Colorado. Uh, and he was also one of the people who donated uh, a, uh, an HF rig uh, out, of his own, um, out of his own shack, just sent me an HF rig uh, in UPS and said, here, you know, this is for Nepal. So That's he awesome. did, yeah, he's really done a great work. So he and Amir uh, were, they. I can't even think of how many hours they were on the air uh, trying to uh, uh, trying to keep communications going. And, and not only that, but just rallying the, the United States community, you know, a lot of people wanting to help. Uh, and they just were on the air practically full-time for a week, uh, you know, making calls for people to say, hey, if you want to donate, if you want to help out. Uh, you know, let us know. Contact us. He was he was alternating between email, HF, and Facebook uh, for for most of that time that he was 
that he was doing that response. It's amazing. I, I, I meant to go back and ask this question a moment ago, so I've got to rewind just a sec. But the, the repeaters and um, the, the sparse locations of both of them, um, are, they, are they solar powered themselves or are they operated through the, uh, through the mains there? The two repeaters you have up. So I think. The, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, thank you. Um, so both of the repeaters are powered through uh, electrical power, which Kathmandu presently has electrical power. However, they both have backup power supplies. In Tribhuvan University, there is a large solar array uh, that can actually uh, supply 6.4 kilowatts. So uh, they both have redundant power supplies. Okay, I, that was going to be another question I would have gotten asked. Why didn't you ask that question? So I wanted to get that one out of the way. All right, so are there? what are the future plans uh, as this recovery continues and as you work to build out the, uh, the network there uh, in and around Kathmandu and, and throughout the rest of the country of Nepal, uh, what, what are the, the most not, the, the recovery notwithstanding, what's next? Well, there, there are a couple things that are really critical uh, that are next. I think one of the most important things for people to realize, uh, all of uh, your listeners, is this tragedy is not over yet. The monsoon is uh, going to be arriving soon, and the earthquake has weakened many slopes in remote villages. And uh, there are expected to be many more landslides, floods, and also waterborne diseases from uh, uh, any number of sources. So the need for disaster communications is uh, still very acute and ongoing, and uh, it will be necessary for many more months to co- uh, come. So with that in mind, we modified the Radio Mala uh, charter. Initially, it was to duplicate uh, the Baynet network, uh, repeater network in the Kathmandu Valley from the Silicon Valley to the Kathmandu Valley. We've changed that now, t- as David said earlier, to go ahead and provide ham radio to everyone everywhere in Nepal. So from that standpoint, uh, our effort has changed from uh, a specific regional uh, solution of uh, amateur radio to truly a national solution. And uh, essentially, if if there's anyone who can provide us with any help, uh, advice, uh, resources, or social media, we would be truly grateful. You know, we've got uh, we've got quite a bit of listeners. I I can't really nail down how many we have, but uh, I know there's some generous folks out there who would like to participate in this. We've the, the, this show actually started. Our first episode ever was a look back on the Joplin, Missouri tornado disaster, and since then we've uh, very recently had a, a very in depth and moving conversation about what happened in Louisiana following Katrina. And again and again and again and again, we find that this great hobby of ours is far more than just old guys talking on the radio to one another about their ailments. It is a real living, breathing entity that can help folks, humanitarian. It's it's so vast. It's so large. And uh, when I began the program, I had no idea these types of roads would be traveled uh, with amateur radio, but as we continue to grow this the show, the audience, and where we're going, it keeps coming back every single time to, if you've got a problem, there may more than likely be an answer to it regarding amateur radio. And, and it's real exciting to see what you guys, how you guys, old school friends, have gotten back together and the difference you're making in people's lives there 
on the other side of the world. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think, you know, amateur radio uh, in the United States, given that we, we're so blessed with technology and, and access to uh, uh, to solutions that a lot of people would sort of, you know, um, poo-poo it and say, well, you know, I don't need amateur radio. I have Skype. Uh, I, I can talk all around the world for free. I don't need an antenna. But when you, you look at these emerging economies around the world, you look at these countries that are still uh, trying to keep either keep up with or get into the 21st century, uh, amateur radio actually plays a, a significant role, just like it played a role in the 20th century in the United States, where, you know, we had phone patches before people had cell phone. Mm -hmm. uh, we had we had PSK 31 before people had text messaging. Uh, you know, we had a lot of stuff that people didn't have uh, for, for years until it became commercial mainstream technology. And in, in places where um, there is no electricity, in the places where people are still living in uh, buildings that are made out of piled stone, uh, and, and you could say, well, how are you going to keep those people connected with the rest of the world? And as it turns out, well, amateur radio provides a, a great opportunity. Each of these villages that's up in the Himalayas has, you know, they may have uh, resources. So say they may have extra, maybe one village has extra rice and another village may have some extra blankets or, or some extra wheat. Well, how do they trade with villages in adjoining valleys if they don't know that those excesses or needs are there? Uh, my vision in, in Radio Mala is to see amateur radio become a way for these people to communicate, not only from a medical or emergency need response, but also uh, to help them communicate about resources. Uh, you know, hey, we need some rice over here. Do you, oh, yeah, we've got some extra rice. Okay, well, let's meet on Tuesday. And I think that that's really an area where amateur radio can uh, provide a huge benefit to emerging economies and in, in connecting people together who who currently are not connected. We we tend to forget something like that. How simple that is. Uh, with like you said, all the technology we're afforded here. Uh, I mean, we're we're communicating over the entire stretch of the country via a internet patch from my. $139 smartphone. It's amazing. It just floors me. But at the same time, if we worked hard enough, we could probably probably make a nice HF connection as well. And like you're saying, village to village, there's no better answer than Nivis. And that's why, as you mentioned earlier, Uncle Sam uses it all over Afghanistan. It just works. And that's really correct. I mean, I mean uh, uh, HF, uh, of course, from the military's perspective, uh, it's done, you know, not just with, with voice, uh, you know, but it's done with the uh, ALE, the Automatic Link Establishment System. And in some cases, it's encrypted data that's carrying voice uh, as, as data traffic. So, of course, you know, there are some cases where they don't want people to monitor what they're doing. But in general, the air interface, you know, what, what we call in Silicon Valley the OSI Layer 1, uh, is still HF 
just the same that Marconi used to communicate across the Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. This this hobby had been one that I had wanted to participate in for a very long time, and finally finally got licensed a few years back. But as this show progresses, like I mentioned a few moments ago, the depth of the hobby is on display for everyone to see. And it's like, you know, at the Maker Fair, well, I don't, you know, I'm just a, I don't, I've got an iPhone. I don't need that. Uh, but there, it has, it has its merits. And I don't see those merits disappearing any time. I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe there's a better answer for that sort of communication than what we already have right now. Guys, I appreciate you being with me um, and taking your time to join us here on the show. Suresh, give me the uh, give me the address to the website again, and if either one of you want to toss out your Facebook and Twitter links, unless those are on the website as well and they can get them from there, that would be fine too. Yes, yeah, so uh, the website is gnpn.org forward slash radio hyphen mala. That's golf November papa November dot org forward slash radio hyphen Mike Alpha Lima Alpha. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll add to that that um, there are there are social media uh, links for Facebook as or for Radio Mall as well. Uh, it's facebook.com slash hamradio dot mala. Uh, all it's uh, ham radio all one word dot mala on twitter you can follow us at radio underscore mala and on linkedin.com uh forward slash in forward slash ham radio mala and then uh for me personally if you'd like to follow me on twitter my uh, call sign whiskey six delta tango whiskey is also my twitter handle well that's fantastic guys we'll put all of that stuff in our show notes so if you're listening on the road you're going back and forth to work or you're like me i normally take my podcast in while i'm washing dishes so (laughs) it's kind of hard to type of that as well but we'll have it all in the show notes along with some of the links of things and folks that we've mentioned here in the program before we go is there anything we missed or something that you wanted to bring up before we go to share with a listener here on the podcast I think for myself, uh, you know, it's just a great thanks, uh, a gratitude that that really can't be expressed uh, because vocabulary is too limited. Um, The American people started this project in 2011, and they have supported it. The roots of the Silicon Valley run very, very deep in the Kathmandu Valley, and the equipment that we pre-deployed really saved lives. Now, having said that, Nepal still needs our help. Uh, there will be many, many echo disasters uh, due to the monsoons going on for many months. So if uh, there's anything that you could do to help us, uh, either make a donation uh, or a donation of equipment or even with social media, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for your support in the past. And uh, and lastly, namaste. Dave? Yeah, I would echo what Suresh is saying. Uh, certainly, there's a lot going on. Uh, the monsoon rains are coming. Uh, there's a, you know, further devastation is likely to occur because of uh, the waterborne diseases that occur uh, during the rainy season. And uh, you know, when when we say rainy season, we think of one thing. When they say rainy season, we're talking about landslides and you know, flooding and major impacts to people that are already 
sleeping under tarps and tents. So, uh, you know, a, a significant portion of the country's buildings have been damaged in the densely populated areas. And so there are uh, enormous numbers of people are homeless right now and they, they need your help. So, you know, amateur radio is one way that we're trying to help. If uh, you're feeling generous, you know, the people of Nepal uh, need your help in other ways. I would suggest the Red Cross is probably the best way, uh, you know, help them uh, purchase tents and and blankets and tarps and medicine that they're going to need in the coming months. Fantastic, guys. Thank you both for being here. It was uh, very enlightening and very uh, intriguing at the same time. Matter of fact, I- I'm going to go ahead and say that as this progresses, I would like to in the future have you both come back and share with us as you progress through uh, helping the folks there in Nepal. It's been uh, David. And and David, I haven't said your last name because I didn't want to just destroy it like I normally do George's. But uh, is it is it Witkowski? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's Witkowski. First time. Yeah, excellent. Southerners excellent. have a hard time with these big last names. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> well, to, to be honest, so do I. But uh, <laughs> I've gotten used to it. Yeah. Well, when your buddies. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll skip that. All right, so it, it's uh, Whiskey 6 Delta Tango Whiskey, and Suresh, your call again was Whiskey 6 Kilo Tango Mike, which is the air, airport code for the Kathmandu Airport. Is that correct? That is that is correct. That's a, that is a very nice hat tip. Gentlemen, thank you both, and we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thanks, Kill. Thank you very much. Encourage you guys to check them out. Uh, that's Radio Mala. We'll have all the contact information for you in the show notes, along with uh, some some of the links as well that we mentioned. And, and again, thanks to Dave and Suresh. Uh, George had been telling me that you've got to talk to Suresh about the work they're doing in Nepal. And then after the earthquake, he came back and he said, Kale, you have got to talk to Dave and Suresh now about it. It's very timely. It's a very timely call. And uh, it, it's really exciting to see see folks work you know and that, of course the, the stay-at-home dad is the guy that doesn't have a job saying that but to see the compassion and, and the unity and, and making things happen for folks in that country is really exciting not just with not just with the amateur aspect but the human the humanitarian efforts that are working that way as well so if you want to participate the links will be there i would encourage you to uh, at the very least if you're a facebook user find them on facebook if you're a twitter user find them on twitter and make them a part of your daily reading. Uh, there's a lot of great work going into that stuff. And um, past that, we're going to be back with 28 here in just a week or two, so don't go anywhere. Listen, if, if something shows up in your inbox from me, and it's like, listen to this or something, it's I'm not spamming you. I'm just really trying to share it with you. I hope that uh, you guys liked the update, the audio update the other day regarding the big sale at MTC. The, uh, the, the special offer for, for FOTIME listeners only. Hope you had a chance to uh, take that in. Again, thanks to Richard at mtcradio.com for providing those discounts for you, the FOTIME listener. If you need gear, that's where you need to get it from. Check them out, mtcradio.com. I promise you they will take care of you, and they're fine, fine people. So give them a shot if you need some stuff. Guys, again, thank you for listening. Thanks to David and Suresh and for George to uh, for helping us put this together. We're working on some stuff in the background, and, and now that's going to be some cool stuff, but I'm not even going to tell you what that is yet until I can get some, some more work done. But continue to hang out here with us. We're going to continue to work and bring great stuff to you 
and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your buddies about the show. If you like it, leave us a five-star review on your favorite listening location. Till next time, we'll catch you later. 73, y'all. Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Photime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s. So I'm left to wonder why you're still listening. Yeah, I had this idea. This is this is not an original idea, but thank you for sticking around uh, if you're here. Now, uh, I have a really hard time remembering to do everything I want to do on the program, and that's probably just Kel's fault. I should make lists and notes, and I'm just not that dude, so sometimes I don't get that kind of stuff done. But I do know that I've been falling very short in thanking you for listening for listening to the Photon Podcast, participating, commenting on posts. You know you can do that, right? You can comment on the episode on the website. Yeah, it's right there at the top under the title. There, It says comment. You can click that, enter a little bit of information, and put a comment on the show if you guys want to have some, uh, some narrative, have some communications uh, going back and forth with maybe me or, or somebody else that was on the program or whatever. Uh, that's there. And uh, secondly, I haven't told you that a lot. And secondly, I haven't been saying thank you enough for listening to the program. Actually, that's firstly. I said that first. But anyway, I do want to say thank you. Because if you aren't listening, then then I really, I can talk to myself. But thank you for being an audience and uh, participating with me in this thing. And I know that uh, I was I was doing pretty good for a little while, keeping up with, with new followers and whatnot. And you guys kind of inundated me, and I got way behind. So I, just some shout-outs, okay? I got Alex, who is a Kilo Foxtrot 5, Romeo Papa Bravo. I've got Michael, David, who is uh, Mary Whiskey Zero, Uniform Alpha Alpha. Kevin Trotman here. He is uh, November 5, Papa Romeo Echo. Uh, Jared Easley, Derek Curry, John Pittman, November Juliet 7, Lima. Um, let's see, Matthew in 3 QEH, Andrew Berger, uh, Kilo Bravo 3, Whiskey Uniform Alpha, uh, Yankee Bravo 0, Oscar Victor Charlie, that's Buddy. Hey, uh, thanks, Buddy, for listening. Tony uh, Tony Coleman, Echo Alpha 3, Golf Charlie Tango, Randy Upchurch, who is November 4, November Oscar Mary, Ron, who is W4RDM, thanks for listening. Kyle, so we got Ron, John, Michael. We've got Chris, who is uh, Mary Six, Mary Kilo Fox. We've got Nick. We've got Harm. I mean, guys, you, you guys are just covering me up, and I really appreciate it. Dave Gruder, Josh Sanderson, uh, Lima Yankee 2, Bravo Oscar Sierra. And it looks like Valentinus. So I'm sorry if I didn't say that correctly, but thank you for listening. Um, man, let's see here's uh, India Z5, 
I just said Z as Z. I've never okay. So uh, I've got another Z friend now. India Z five. Uh, let's see, India Z five Alpha X Ray Bravo. Thank you for listening, Jason Bennett KM four KDL. Congratulations, Jasonator, on your new license. That's a fairly new call. I always like to bring that out. Uh, let's see here. We got Lewis, who is uh, Lima Uniform Four Hotel Kilo. We've got a Kilo Charlie 9 Delta Hotel Romeo. I mean, guys, y'all are just covering me up. Peter uh, Wagstaff, thank you. Richard, Kilo Golf 5 Delta Delta X-Ray, KB1, Y Delta Mary. We've got Victor. Oh, man. Uh, Jimmy, who is Zulu Bravo 2 Bravo Lima. Raymond J, Wayne Lindgren. I don't want to forget anybody. I'm going way down the list here. Golf Whiskey 1, Juliet Fox. Victor, we have November 3 Delta Z Hotel. He's a fireman. I did that for a while, about 10 years. Uh, Eric, our buddy from the QSO Today show. Uh, thanks there, Eric. And uh, then we got 9 November, 1 November Echo, 9N1NE. And I, 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 can't, I can't pronounce your name, and I'm really sorry. But, oh, if anybody says it wrong, it'll be Kale. Uh, yeah, so those are just Twitter followers and that, that's just in the very recent, you know, time here, Facebook, Adam Starr, Chris Jackson, Dave Randell, Jeff Bays, Ryan James, Frank Gutierrez, uh, John Potter, Carrie Elizabeth Wilson, um, Salua Rifa, and I'm sorry if I pronounced that one wrong, um, Janelle Norman, Andrew Pickett, there's big Danny Allen, Keith Ano, uh, Justin Renner, Chuck Davis, Jonathan Blackwell, Bruce Diggert, Digret. I know I'm, I just murdered that one, Bruce. Sorry, man. Uh, Richard Clark, James Michael Thorpe. I'm, I'm not going to be able to get them all. I wanted to just stop and take a minute, not in the middle of the show, because everybody's, you know, listening. To, and it was a great show, was it not? Was that not a great program? Thank you so much to Suresh and David. And follow them. The, the folks I just called out, I know you're on social media. Follow them. Their calls, C-A-U-S-E, it needs some attention, okay? So friend them, Facebook them, share them, tweet them, retweet them, whatever. You can find all the links in the show notes. But I just wanted to stop, and I may I may start putting some stuff here at the end. Uh, it, it may benefit you to listen to the end. I might even start putting some digital stuff at the end to give you some stuff to decode and play with if you're not quite doing that yet on your own. So, again, thank you so much for listening. This is a lot of fun. It takes a lot of work. On average, it's about four hours to produce a program. And you can figure it. If you've got a 15-minute program, it's going to take you an hour uh, to do because it's about four times as much time taken to complete as it does to to do the interview, to do the actual end of the program. So this is a one-hour show. It takes me about four hours. That's why you get one every other week. And I'm going to continue to do that. We do have some plans for some new stuff. And, um, oh, man, how, I don't even know how I, want to, how I want to tease this. But if it works out, it's going to be a great place to go to get a lot of information regarding the amateur radio hobby, not just Kel's podcast, but we're going to bring some collaboration into the to the web to make it like a one-stop shop. So I hope that that's going to happen. And um, thank you again. I mean, Jeremy and Gerald, Andy, you guys, uh, you guys keep me keep me going. Uh, my buddies here local, uh, like David and Pokey, and my phone's getting ready to ring. It's going to be loud. No, no, sorry. I thought it was going to ring. I got it on mute. So anyway, uh, George, again, thanks for your help. If y'all are listening, 
it's uh, it's a lot of work, but uh, there's so many people helping me that that you never hear, that you never see. Just the encouragement, the emails, uh, I appreciate it all, and I just wanted to say that. Hey, uh, speaking of saying something, Andre, whiskey, oh, it's whiskey three, Papa Alpha Lima, I think is his call. Yeah, you anyway, know, Andre lives about forty miles away from me. He's got some back surgery coming up. If you're a praying type, be praying for Andre. He could use it. Uh, he's got some pretty serious back surgery coming up, and Andre's a great help. And uh, he's even offered to help me replace my Samlex 1223 I blew up the other day when I was testing out the pack. The pack tenna didn't blow the blow it up. It was uh, the capacitors let go on it. So uh, pack tenna, by the way, it was awesome. If you're looking for a portable antenna solution, mine works great, especially when you put it up the right way. And we'll talk about that more later on. God bless you guys. Seriously, don't just say those words. Mean it, and I can't wait to chat with you again. Y'all have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you on number 28.